Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Stu Sherrill, 11 years of volunteer and career experience, a lieutenant on Ladder 1 for the City of Concord Fire Department in North Carolina, and assistant fire chief for South Idaho Fire Rescue. Stu has a background within the emergency services field following his father, who was a part of Idaho Rescue for many years and now has his brother following suit. Stu's love for the fire service is unmatched once we get to talk and shop. With that, I present Mr. Stu Sherrill. What's up? I'm Stu Sherrill. Uh, yeah, first question you hit me with, how did I get into the fire service? The biggest reason I got into the fire service is my dad. Uh, yeah, he was a, a stateful firefighter, and he started Idaho County Rescue in 1976, you know, well before either one of us were around or even thinking about being around. Um, and so really it's just kind of been in my, my family, the whole, you know, my whole lifetime, uh, you know, really since he started at our rescue, Teddy, that's 48 years ago. Now, uh, he served really every rank within that organization here, a little time as chief here, time as deputy chief there, spent a lot of time as a deputy chief. Uh, but he was a captain at Statesful fire there, like I said, for 18 years. And then, uh, he was missing ball games. He was missing, you know, what me and my brother were doing. And uh, he left Statesville after 18 years, one with pay too, but then he, uh, he took a private industry job as a safety coordinator. And a uh, little bit into that, they let him go. They had some unfortunate times, but he's currently an engineer at Troutman. And then he's hanging it up in April, you know, finally going to retire. Uh, he's still got some fight left in him. He's a, he's a dog, but, uh, my whole family has been in really emergency services or the medical field as long as I can remember. Uh, my mom, she's a nurse practitioner. She's been an ER nurse. She's kind of, you know, gone that whole route too. Uh, even my granddad, he was at Idle Rescue for over 20 years. Uh, gave a lot of time there back in the day uh, when really everything was volunteer. There wasn't the paid departments with the exception of Statesville with, uh, partially more so at that point they had a few part-timers and it led to full-time but states will be in that kind of hub for a career early on but they were all just volunteer so then i saw it as you know something that i would like to do want to do and uh, in 2009 uh, i got my start at idle rescue so i was 14 uh you know young wet behind the ears junior member you know thinking i'm you know thinking i know what i know now i'm like man i i didn't know anything you know, just like I want to ride in that thing, fire truck or rescue truck with the lights on and, you know, go have have some fun and get to do it with my dad. Uh, but really being a full time firefighter, getting into the fireside, it wasn't really expected for me. Um, when I went to college, I played football at Lenore Ryan University. Uh, you know, long I was a long snapper through the ball between my legs, you know, had a had a good time doing that. You know, really being in that team atmosphere is always where I've been. Uh, doing something along that and man I had career goals I want to be a physical therapist you know because I had a lot of I had several injuries in in high school and college spent a lot of time with physical therapists and I was like man this could be something you know I enjoy doing I'd somewhat be in the medical field get to help people Uh, but then I I went and did they kind of have like a ride time thing with 
PT before you get into it. You got to do like a hundred volunteer hours to see if it's really what you want to do. And when I did it, man, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the people, but the eight to five, the doing the same thing over and over and over again, uh, it was just, it was not me. And so at that point I, I text my dad and I was like, Hey, I think I want to try firefighting. And he was like, all right, well, you know, why don't you join Ebenezer, you know, do it when you're on break and get your classes, all that stuff. And, uh, not that long after Ebenezer was gracious enough to put me on, uh, some of the guys that you work with now, Matt McAlpin, he was really one of the first guys that, uh, really I got introduced into the fire service with, uh, I'd been on a few months and they had a live burn and they were nice enough. And, uh, they let, they let my dad take me in my first fire. Uh, he was backing me up. I was on the nozzle. He was, you know, my slack man. And it really just, once I went in that first time and came out, I'm like, this is it. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. Um, kind of kept going through college, still thinking PT fire back and forth. But then, uh, I called my dad one night and I was like, I think I'm going to do it full time. And he said, well, I knew you had it in you. I just didn't know when you were going to call me. Uh, so he almost knew it before I did that, uh, this is really what I wanted to do. My senior year of college, I went and I applied at uh, Cheryl's Ford Fire. Mm-hmm. And so I was finishing up my degree. I had a few classes left. Football was done in the fall, so the springtime was pretty open. And uh, Cheryl's Ford hired me. I was like, man, I'm going to apply, see what happens. They were hiring, I think, nine people uh, at the time. And so went through the process. Got hired there. So when when I got hired there, they only had one person per truck at each station. So they were hiring us as the second second man on every truck and uh, started recruit school there while I was still in college. So kind of finishing up the back half. I got hired there in February and graduated in May. So I had a little bit of time where I was balancing college with the recruit school, Uh, but they were gracious enough to work with me. If I had a class on Thursday nights. They'd be like, hey, go to class, get you schoolwork done. Because uh, I had my firefighter already, but our recruit academy there was uh, engineer and TR because uh, they needed us to be able to drive to being a second person. If one person calls out, you're mm-hmm. kind of in limbo there. So uh, went through rookie school there. When I was there in rookie school, I uh, met my best friend. You've seen him. You know him, old Jake Ingles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got hired there together. Didn't know each other beforehand at all. And uh, really just kind of, you know, formed a a relationship. And uh, he was like, hey, you know, I know you and your wife are talking about moving. You know, y'all are looking at Mooresville. You know, you can come down here and work at at South Idol with us too, you know, volunteer and kind of, you know, get closer to work on all that stuff. Because at the time we were living in Conover. So it was like a 45-minute ride to work. And then uh, my wife was moving and getting her job too in the school system. And so really we were pretty flexible, but Morrisville kind of felt like home. And so we, uh, moved up here and, uh, both of us were, uh, at Cheryl's Ford as firefighters, engineers, that whole realm. And then, uh, we were both like, you know, we kind of want something bigger, want something busier, want that career department. Uh, so, you know, the Charlotte's always in the big picture. Uh, Morrisville was in the picture, but Statesville, all those departments, Concord was there too. And we're like, you know, let's look at Concord. I had some friends that worked down there at Ebenezer. Um, they always enjoyed working there. Always thought it was a pretty good place to stand up. You never, never really heard anything that bad uh, about them. So we applied. Fortunately enough, uh, myself, uh, Jake Ingalls, 
I don't know if you know him or not, Jared Quarles, mm-hmm. uh, Statesville mm-hmm. firefighter. He was at South Arnold too. All three of us got hired in the same rookie class. Okay. And so we were in rookie class together at Concord. Um, and it was a good time. You know, I really had two, two of my really good friends in rookie school before we even started. Right. So I had a relationship with them. I'd fought fire with them. We trained together, worked together. Uh, and so it made rookie school going through a second one pretty nice. You know, it was a lot of hard work, but you had guys that you can lean on and, you know, really fall into with. And if you're having a bad day, they'll bring you up. Uh, if, you, if they're having a bad day, you're there to, to back them up as well. Uh, so you weren't, we weren't really going in blind with who we would be working with, who we would be in recruit school with. And uh, it was recruit class 28. We went through the last week of recruit school. They come out and give your assignments. Um, fortunately, I kind of, you know, fell into an awesome ride. One of the guys on Rescue 3 at Concord promoted to lieutenant, and they needed a firefighter. And they pulled Captain uh, Jason Cook aside and was like, hey, uh, what do you think about potentially you having a rookie? And, uh, yeah, he kind of thought about it a little bit and he was like, if I want a rookie, I want Cheryl. Uh, just, I guess some of the background, me and him kind of hit it off a little bit. And, uh, he took a shot on me because, you know, me being a rookie, not really knowing what he would get. Uh, he was like, I think I can work with him. I can mold him. We'll get him the rest of the specialties he needs. We'll, uh, you know, we'll put some time into him and with him. And really that set me up for, the what I feel is success in my career so far. Uh, so out of rookie school, you know, Young went behind the ears at Concord. They stuck me on rescue three, uh, learned a crap ton, man. You know, it, it opened my eyes tremendously because I went from riding an engine with two people on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe you might have been riding solo right, right. to uh, to working on uh, four man rescue. And that's where. You know, one of your good friends, Renee Soriano, that's mm-hmm. where I got introduced to him. He was my driver. Uh, you know, he, he thought he could beat me up, but I had to, you know, <laughs> make sure he was he was in line there. But uh but being at that uh that house station three holds a it holds a near and dear place to my heart just with the the guys that, that I met that I've grown with and has really helped develop me into the firefighter that I am today. And uh Two years in or so, just like any fire department in North Carolina, we're all broke. So uh, I was like, man, I'm a test for engineer. You know, become a driver. I was driving at Cheryl's Ford. I was an engineer there. I was like, I'll take that step, see what happens. Promoted. And they were like, well, we're going to send you to the busiest engine company in Concord and uh, and let you ride there for a little bit. So I stayed on C-shift, moved to, uh, to engine two, and went with Captain Burris. Uh, another dude that, you know, I was just fortunate enough and landed in the right hands with jam up captain, uh, taught me a ton about driving, being in a different environment. Cause I was, you know, driving, riding the back of the rescue truck and then going and driving an engine company that's turning out right around 3000 calls a year, uh, was a, a pretty, pretty big difference for me. Uh, but he was there, he was helping me, you know, figure out the roads, all that good stuff, making sure, uh, I was squared away. It always held me accountable too. Um, a year into that, or a few months later, we have our bid system at Concord to where if, if there's an open position at the end of the year, you can put a bid in for those spots and kind of get back to a station you want to be at or a crew you want to be with, just depending on what's open at the time or 
previous promotions, whatever. Well, uh, engine three um, on sea shift, you know, next truck over from the rescue had a spot. So I took it and uh, with Captain Hal, and we'll we'll hit on him here in a little bit, but he has really changed my mindset of the fire service. He's pushed me to to grow and to continue to grow. The dude's 29 years in now. He's leaving in June, and he uh, he still betters himself every day. Uh, he's, he's in shape, you know, he's still running, uh, getting after it. You know, those guys 29 years in, if they don't really want to have to do that, yeah, they kind of have every right to, to relax, you know, but he's still in that mindset of, you know, he's maintaining what he's got and he's going to be the best that he can be. Uh, and still that to me, uh, throughout that whole process, uh, it kind of, it turned really fun because Ingalls at the time got moved back to rescue three when I promoted the engineer. Uh, and so me and Ingalls were back in the same house, uh, you know, working together. He was on the rescue as an engineer. I was the engine driver. And yeah, so we were, you know, best friends back at the same house, you know, almost like stepbrothers almost, uh, you know, having fun building bunk beds, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, so then Ingalls promoted to Lieutenant. He took it a step before I did. Uh, I was going to hang out and drive Captain Howe just because of how much wealth and knowledge I was taking in. And then they ended up like, well, with, Stu, with your certs and qualifications, we're uh, we're going to put you back on the rescue back with Captain Cook when Ingalls left. But also that allowed one of our other really good friends to come in as a driver on Engine 3 uh, and prepare him for that next step with Captain Howe because he was in the mindset that next year, uh, Jeff Crane uh, wanted the test for lieutenant. And so uh, – yeah, they brought him in, moved me back to the rescue, put Jeff on the engine, and uh, I was fine with it because Jeff, he, you know, he's one of my one of my really good friends, one of my you know guys that 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 I look up to in many aspects. And so I was like, cool, man. We get we're you know we're losing Jake, that sucks. We're losing a hammer to for him to to promote, but we're bringing another hammer in. So we kept that kept that kind of going. Uh, this last year, I tested for lieutenant just to you know once again make a little bit more money, but I knew that I needed to take that next step in my career to, to not be complacent, to continue to grow, to, uh, to develop myself as a firefighter and as a young officer. So I tested, uh, passed, we had a lot of openings, so it really, it worked out well. Uh, currently I'm the Lieutenant on ladder one in downtown, uh, riding with captain Jason Stewart, another senior man, been there 24 years, dude's a good captain. He, he has his men men's back all the time and he's not afraid to let a, you know, a chief know about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, can't ask for anything more, uh, with South Idol throughout that whole time at Concord. I still, uh, I still volunteer work part-time here. Uh, currently an assistant chief here, Jerry Starr, our fire chief has, uh, taken me and, uh, Ingalls under his wing and kind of let us grow. Uh, he's like, man, this is what y'all have to do. Go do it. So figure out, you know, what you need. I'll help you however I can. Uh, but y'all are, y'all are men go handle business. And, uh, that's kind of how I got into the fire service, where I'm at today. Um, and, and yeah, man, it's a, it's a good place. All right. Good deal. Good deal. A couple questions. For those that don't know, can you tell us about uh, the size of Concord stations, uh, amount of personnel, things of that nature? Yeah, man. So Concord, we currently we have twelve fire stations. 
Uh, we run 11 engine companies, three ladder companies, soon to be four. We've got a tiller coming in in March, April, or, you know, whatever Pierce gets it finished. Um, and that'll make us a f our fourth ladder in service. We run one heavy rescue. We've got two ARC units at our airport. We kind of have a regional airport right outside of Charlotte. Uh, run two ARC units out of there. Each day we've got three battalions so uh, and one division chief, safety officer. I looked last night just so my numbers were right. In 2023, we were right at 19,000 calls uh, for the year. And our community, we've got about 107,000 people that are in our community uh, 24 hours a day. But then also we have a lot of influx with a lot of big business, big box commercial, Amazon warehouses coming in. A lot of those things that uh, bring the population in from that seven to five time range, um, you know, is, is continuing to grow is, you know, blowing up. It's, everything's kind of pushing out of Charlotte business wise because they're full. Mm -hmm. and coming to the surrounding areas and we've taken a, a big influx of that okay all right um and um what's your minimum staffing across your apparatus so minimum staffing right now um the majority of our engine companies are staffed with four people there's several in the in the two-piece houses that can drop down to three uh our ladder companies they're staffed with five with a four-man minimum and then the tillers will actually be staffed with six with a five-man minimum. Damn, nice. So it's uh, our I, I give it to our chiefs. They've definitely they they know that the people are what make the job easier and honestly make the job safer for us. So uh, they've definitely put that mindset forward, and we're slowly but surely getting to where everybody will be staffed with that five. The engine companies will be staffed with five with a four-man minimum. Okay. It's just really, you know, retirements, uh, people leaving to go to other departments, uh, all that stuff. Uh, but slowly but surely, they're adding additional staffing each year to help maintain that and to grow our staffing. Okay. And um, the minimum staffing on the rescue? It's uh, staffed with five with a four-man minimum. Okay. And I'm assuming the rescue goes to anything um, – Pin in, pin in entrapment on extrication, and what about fires? So they we operate our ladders and our rescues. Technically, they call them service companies. Okay. So uh, on a first alarm dwelling fire, you're going to get four engines, two services, two chiefs, and the safety officer. Uh, if we go anything apartment or high, they call it a high, high hazard or a target hazard, then you'll get two services with the rescue attached onto it. And then still your four engines and then our division chief as well. So okay. the high hazards are commercial occupancy. They kind of beef up that alarm card a little bit. Uh, but yeah, on the fire ground, if it was in station three's first due area and rescue three was first due service, we were searching. Uh, really, that was our job searching or going going to the roof. Now, we also if they get there a little bit later into the incident or a lot of the tasks are being handled that need to be handled. Uh, they can fill, they'll fill the writ roll. Um, they've got, we've got specialized equipment on that, that rescue truck. Uh, but they also have the mindset of uh, an aggressive writ company. They're not just standing in the front yard with their hooks. Um, they're forcing doors. They're throwing ladders. They're softening the structure, uh, securing your utilities while they're at it. So they're, they, they stay pretty busy on the fire ground when it comes to the, the actual, the rescue side. Okay. Uh, 
do uh does the rescue pick up medicals if 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 the engine's out or yeah they do so the way we don't split calls how some two-piece stations do it or that have two house or two pieces in each station the engine is primary out on on medicals but if there's a second alarm or a second call that comes in right after then the ladder or the the rescue if it's you know house that if it's in station three's alarm area then rescue mm -hmm. three will pick up the medical Okay. So they're not strictly fire alarms and structure response. They'll still pick up medicals as well. Okay. Um, is your is your rescue dry or is it wet? It's dry. dry. Uh, the only water is drinking water and five gallons with two water cans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and do your trucks operate as true trucks or are they like quints? So the tiller that's coming in, it's going to have a calf system on it, but that's it. Uh, ladder one right now we have a 2000 gpm pump and 300 gallons and we kind of base it situational dependent more than likely we're going to do service company work if we do arrive first due uh captain stewart kind of puts it if when he gets out of the truck if he hears another cue coming and knows it's an engine we're going to do truck work but there are times where engine two engine one engine four are tied up and we may be on an island for a little bit and if we can put quick water on it, then we're not going to let the house burn down waiting okay. on an engine. So really, uh, more than likely, it's truck company work when you're on the, the service company. But there are those rare times where you do have to to get a line on the ground. Okay. And um, uh, as far as um, tactics, and I don't I don't really discuss tactics, but does Concord do PDAs, what I call predetermined assignments, or do or like, so for instance, if uh, an engine arrives second due, do they have a function or is that function going to be told to them by command? The function is going to be told to them by command, okay. but it's almost like a like an unwritten PDA. You know, if you're the second engine in, you're locating a large supply, okay. uh, you're doing that stuff, you're securing a hydrant, whatever, if they don't have it. One of the things they hit on uh, in our size ups and our follow ups is if you do have a water supply. Uh, so if we check on scene with a working fire and we've got a hydrant in the front yard, they'll say engine three has its own water supply. So then mm -hmm. that second engine knows that they don't really have to find a hydrant or they can sit on a second one and just park by a second one. They don't necessarily have to uh, to lay in at that point or to reverse out. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, first question I'm going to hit you with is uh, what is your term of aggressiveness? Dude, man, that's a hot topic right now, isn't it? Um, it's kind of kind of crazy. Uh, aggressive hit, it always hits me hard. Um, but I think that for me, aggressive and integrity, those two kind of go hand in hand. Aggressive for us should be a standard uh, because we got to do what's best for, for that taxpayer. We've got to do what's best for that citizen that's trapped in the house, that's pinned in the car, uh, whatever it may be. We have to have that standard of still putting our people first. Uh, then of course, you know, I get it, man. There's the safety standard. There's, you know, we have a safety officer that responds to all major incidents with us. So the safety culture has been, you know, prevalent in, in our fire service that we're in today. But also, I think that, I think aggressiveness should be, should be the normal. And we can deviate from that. Uh, getting that first line in as quick as we can, as fast as we can, because quick water is good water. It's gonna it's gonna make sure that we've got we're making that situation better. 
we're not delaying fire attack because we don't have another unit on scene. Because if we wait for another unit, that fire's doubled, tripled, quadrupled in size while we're just sitting there waiting. Uh, if we're sitting there waiting, that person that's still in there could be uh, could be struggling to breathe, or that could be that time frame that they needed to get out that they didn't get out because we were worried about having two in, two out. Uh, there's that fine line, you know, you've got to dance on it, and you really have that short ter- short time frame to make that decision. But uh, aggressiveness to me is just that, uh, you know, being willing to to lay it all out there if you got to, and uh, you know, making that quick decision, being good with it, and going and getting after it. There's a, uh, you know, Mo Davis is a dude. I, I, his podcast on National Fire Radio, I've probably listened to it like five times. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it hits hard every single time I take something else away, but. He always says, like, man, when that booper goes off, he wants that truck driving as hard and as fast as it'll go to get there as quick as it can to make the situation better. Uh, and I think that's what, you know, we've signed up to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that's our job. Absolutely. No, I love the answer. Love the answer. Um, realistic training on a small budget. So um, I, I don't know what South Idaho's operating budget is. Obviously, it's different between volunteer slash part-time uh departments compared to like a big municipality such as concord and things of that nature but for for south Ardo, um what do you guys do to bring in realistic training for your members dude man so it all started i guess that's about five years ago now uh you know we were training just like most volunteer fire departments do in the bay throwing ladders up against the building, uh, doing driver training, pulling hose in the parking lot, mm-hmm. uh, maybe pulling hose in the bay, uh, you know, working around fire trucks. And I'm like, man, we've got to do something better for our people. And uh, uh, Chief Star kind of had that vision as well as uh, as Jake. Uh, they went together and they put a plan together to, uh, to build a training facility out at South Idol. So we have it on property. Uh, so really at that point, there's no excuse why we can't train, uh, make things, make our guys have the, the tools that they need to, to do the job right and to do the job well. And so we started with several companies in Charlotte. They narrowed down to one company that didn't really have a whole lot of experience with, uh, actually building burn containers, but we're like, man, we'll help you. You know, we'll give you kind of what we want to do. And then you Y'all run with it, see what happens. So, uh, probably, yeah, going on four years ago, you know, five-year start, year four, we kind of had the plans. Ingles drew up some plans, worked out well. And then we set the containers in the back. So we've got a three-story burn building out behind our station now. It's a pretty awesome setup. You know, we've got two separate burn rooms down there. Uh, the second floor set up as a residential so we've got bedrooms a kitchen uh little little hallways built in to to make search realistic um with the third floor is really for repelling and for iso credit because if you go third the third floor your iso starts hitting uh so really it can help our iso rating with training as well as uh give our guys the the tools and means to to better themselves and so we're out there we burn really i'd say at least once a month twice a month 
And where that comes into the budget factor is that whole project back there cost South Idle Fire right around $140,000. And so for us, we don't have a huge budget here at South. A lot of it goes back into our people and staffing. Uh, so really, we had to find some ways to supplement how we were going to pay for this project. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, in our area, uh, Mickey Padula, uh, Padula's great, and he lives in our area. And uh, Chief Star sold the need to him, and he came out, and he substantially helped us with a lot of the grading, uh, a lot of getting the, the site prepped for the burn facility. And then Pack Van came in, we set them, and then the inside of it was just bare bones. We had a staircase inside going to the second floor, and then we had one burn room in the like the Charlie Delta corner at when we first started. Uh, and then the guys, we all showed up, went to the second floor. Uh, Captain Summerfield Shane, uh, he's one of our captains out here too. He's captain at the town of Morrisville. Uh, he kind of laid out the the setup for the floor, and then we grabbed the P card. We went to Lowe's. Uh, bought some lumber and then Lowe's, one of our guys at the time actually worked part-time at Lowe's as well. And he got him to donate a lot of the supplies for us to actually build the second floor out. Okay. So uh, we built it out ourselves. And so that way, really, if we want to change up walls, we want to change up the layout, it's not you know that bad for us to have to do. Uh, but yeah, we built it up. Chief Star, just, you know, even to save money, he painted it himself. He's got a you know, big commercial sprayer. He went to town on that thing. I think he painted himself just as much as he painted the building. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, we got it done. And honestly, it took a lot of pride in us to get it done. And I think that's why we have so much pride in it, because it wasn't just like a turnkey construction, like here you go. Like There was a lot of sweat equity that went into that, uh, that build. And it's an it's a awesome thing, man. We get a put our firefighters and our guys in pretty realistic conditions fairly often. Okay. And I think that's part of the thing that sets us up for success long-term with our firefighters here. And part of the culture that we have is just the ability to go out there and train together to work together and really not to have an excuse not to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Um, and one thing I do like that you guys do is um uh I've seen several several times on several different occasions where you allow outside agencies to come and use your 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 facility to train to help train their members. One being um the 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 uh the Corntown boys. You allow them to come up yeah and use use your facility to to help with their members and, and get realistic training in too. Oh yeah what you know what uh Chief Star and Chief Ingles always say, you know, it's rated E for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so you know everybody's allowed to come train uh come get some of the work in with us concord we come up here fairly often you know not we've got a facility we've got a facility with rowan cabarrus training over there but to get our guys in di different atmospheres because once you go into one of those block burn buildings for the 17th time even the second time like you know the building you know the layout mm -hmm. uh eventually that building's going to get so hot it doesn't produce the smoke and the features that you really want to see and put your people in to let it be realistic and you know they have they've got the pan fire going you know you walk in squirt the pan a little bit and uh i think that's where we failed as a fire service as a whole with some of our training is you know we can't we can only make it so realistic but with us out here we're able to kind of change things up a little bit in the way we burn and in the the metal containers they hold heat they hold smoke they hold that velocity of smoke 
very differently mm-hmm. and we can kind of contain it, compact it and move it around. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's open to everybody. Canapolis has been down here. They did like a three day, uh, writ survival class okay. down here with us. We've hosted the writ series here. Um, and that's one of the big things that we hit on with us as, as a fire service at Concord here, we still like to focus on that full writ aspect. Uh, you know, some, some places we go to, uh, you know, that they want that on deck company being writ, but I want my writ being writ. I want them having that mindset to, uh, you know, if something happens, they're, they're the ones going to get it. You know, that on deck company, they could be thinking about pulling that third line, going to the roof, whatever in that model. But I want my writ guys looking out for my people. Uh, so yeah, that aspect has, has blown up out here with us. And, uh, we, it's been people from all over the place, man. Cornelius comes up every year. Like you said, um, hunters was talked about coming up and it's slowly just kind of, you know, worked its way out to, to other departments and it's fair game for everybody. We're able to run a lot of the stuff through the college. Uh, so for, for us as a department, the safety factors there, we can pay our people, pay the instructors to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to make it worth everybody's while to get their training into. Okay. No, I love it. I love it. Um, so this next topic, I know you, you definitely wanted to hit on it. And so we're going to talk about how the volunteer service, how it's evolving and also dying in certain areas. And um, I will, before you start, before you, you give your spiel on it, I will say you Anyone that's listening to this that's been in the Yardo County area for a long time has definitely seen ebbs and flows within departments, especially in the southern portion of Yardo County. At one point, it was all Troutman. Troutman was the busiest. I think it's probably still the, the busiest. Granted, I'm not in the volunteer service anymore, so I don't, I don't have a radio, but I'm sure they're probably still one of the busiest departments on the south end. But what speaks to me is South Iredell, uh, if any time South Iredell gets a call, whether it's mutual aid or first due, you guys are dropping bodies, dropping apparatus out the door to answer these calls. You guys have a live-in program that I believe is still going on and it's still been pretty successful from what, from what, I, from what I know because there, there'll be calls late at night and South Iredell's truck's getting out the door. Ecom's not having to retone. So what you guys are doing is definitely it's definitely key for a, a volunteer slash part-time organization. Uh, so um I just wanted to say, and I've already told Chief Star this, uh when I saw him three weeks ago, I pulled him to the side and I was like, I don't know what you're doing there, but you got a jam up group of guys and they're all dialed in. So Whatever you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. So I'm going to let you have it on that one. Yeah, man. So I lost you there for a second, but I got all the gist of everything. But, dude, I give it to you. It, it really uh, it starts with our people. Uh, and we we put we have an emphasis on giving our people what they need, uh, when they need it, as far as training, equipment, uh, being there for them. Dude, I met uh, Chief Star. I kind of – I was a – implant from the north end of the county coming down here and uh you know day one he had my back uh he was the training chief at the time and 
anything I needed, however I could. Uh, if I needed something, dude, he, Chief Star, he gives you the shirt off his back uh, to help you out. Dude, I, I'll just give you a quick example real quick that kind of leads back into it. I've known Chief maybe like a year. And uh, he's very uh, hands-on with a lot of maintenance, uh, repairs, different stuff like that. He has a side business doing a lot of that stuff. Dude, my garbage disposal was leaking at the house, wasn't working right. And I was like, dude, I ain't never messed one of these. And I called Jerry. I was like, hey, man, uh, you think you can come by here and help me? And, dude, no lie, 10 minutes later, he's knocking on the door. Like, hey, man, let's get this thing fixed real quick. We dropped everything that he was doing. Just come help me with the garbage disposal. And really, at that point, like, you know, I was like, man, he's he's jam up. You know, he's uh, he's there for the people. If you invest in him, he's going to invest right back in you. Uh, so with that being said, our volunteer side, we like to be very fluid in what we do. Uh, you hit on the live-in program. I can touch on that a little bit too. Uh, really, it started with Jake Ingles and Jared Corals. They were the first two live-ins that South Idle had. Um, Jake won't mind me hitting on it. He, uh, his parents, you know, after high school, his uh, his family moved back out west, and so he was here by himself. And South Idle gave him a place to stay. He ran calls day in and day out up here, and. Uh, from that point on, we knew it was kind of an asset to, to have him here, to have uh, people in-house that can can hit those calls because our budget at the time didn't allow for us to have nighttime staffing, uh, supplemental staffing, you know, throughout the day. We For the longest time at South Idle, part-time-wise, we were running two guys in a fire truck Monday through Friday, 7 to 5. Nighttimes and weekends was all uh, volunteer. And, there, and like you said earlier, we had our ebbs and flows, too. Uh, but then slowly with the live-in program and with some of the young guys that we have in our department, I could speak for hours about them, man. They, they're jam up. Uh, you tell them to do something. Hey man, run through that brick wall. How hard, how fast you want me to do it, chief? Uh, you know, they've, uh, they're invested. And I think for Jerry investing in us and we invest in the guys, uh, they have a sense of ownership and want to invest back into their community, into their department. And really, Chief Star from the start, he always talks about his uh, his piece of the pie. You know, our, our whole life, we got a pie where, you know, there's small portions, big pieces, whatever. And what's South Idol going to be in there? And sometimes that has to change with what you got. Buying a house, whatever it may be. Um, but you know, he wants a little piece of that pie that you can give back. And, uh, I couldn't agree more, you know, being able to serve the community, be in the community has, uh, has made an impact on my life personally. And so if I can give back to help others, I feel like that's what we should do. Uh, and that's what a lot of our guys do. They just, they come up here, volunteer their time, hang out, work out. The bell hits, they're hopping on the rig, jumping that forward. We're getting that truck out the door quick, and we're not afraid to send you three, four, five trucks, whatever you need. Uh, if, if you're screaming for help, calling for water, we're going to bring you water. We're going to bring you help. If you need our air truck, you'll get our air truck to fill your air cylinders, but then you may get a few guys in the squad truck. Hey, y'all need some more help? And, uh, you know, for one, it, 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 gets our guys, it, it gets our guys to fires, and that's, that's what they want to do. They want to fight fire. They want to run those wrecks help those people as much as they can but uh but man our volunteer base is is awesome we had that that night that we burned that whole block on kissler farm 
And uh, that night, South Idol had 38 firefighters there. And, you know, it just speaks volumes that actually none of them at the time were paid. Mm-hmm. So, because we didn't have the night staffing then. Right, and, right. yeah, we dumped our, There was no trucks left in the station. And honestly, probably some of the guys ran over there. Um, but, you know, they wanted to fight fire, so good opportunity to. Right, right. Okay. Um, you, we, we kind of talk about, like, the volunteer services is, I mean, it, it's it's reaching a critical point where most, most, most jurisdictions, places can't even get people to volunteer anymore. So, um, what, whatever you guys are doing, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's working. I mean, there's, there's no one, there's no other place to put it. It's, it's working because a lot of the Southern departments in Ardo County are, they, it's whoever's working and that's it. Right. There, there's there's nobody else but you guys maintain that you, you guys right now are at a point where even if you're the the men that you have working are on another call and a, and another call comes in your jurisdiction you got volunteers showing up responding other trucks to answer those calls oh yeah for sure and honestly from the from you know the the operation side down uh chief we hit on it a little bit but chief starry he gives us a job to do and expects us to do it uh, Chief Cass is the same way. Our deputy chief, he, uh, yeah, he has that that calming nature to him. He's kind of the uh, the calm one of the group, per se. And then, uh, you know, myself and Chief Ingles. Chief Ingles, he's uh, he oversees all of our training, uh, and he's he's a dog. So when you know it's time to work, it's time to train. He's uh, he's the one that's setting all that up. That's running our programming we've uh with the burn building going back there we've been able to we run firefighter one and two uh tr general uh vehicle and uh rit evd all that stuff now in-house uh we've got guys that have went and got qualified when uh you know taking time out of their schedule to become a qualified instructor so uh we're able to deliver that information on a weekly basis with our people and I think that's one of the biggest things is being able to do it in house. So we're not having to send our guys to Rowan to learn how to fight fire, to uh, learn how to cut on a car, to learn how to set up a rope system for high angle, low angle, whatever. We're doing that at 651 Bromley Road. So, uh, you know, those guys are a minute away and they want to train. So we're in the wrong if we don't give them the means and the ability to train. Absolutely agree. No, I mean, no better way to to train your members and have members that can deliver the the courses and um, the courses and things that nature nature that they need in house. I mean, having in house training is invaluable. Where you don't have to send your members out of the out of the county, out of the area to to you know go up up train um, classes. So that definitely speaks volumes. Uh, communication amongst the ranks. Dude, man, this is this is another one of those topics that uh that I love because you know really knowing your knowing your people is uh is one of the biggest things and one of the the best things that you can do, and that's beyond the fire service as a whole. I know how I know how Jake is gonna fight fire. I know how he's gonna you know command from the front right seat or from the Tahoe depending on what he's in that day. Uh, but also 
I know a whole lot more about him. You know, he was – I was one of the first phone calls when he had his baby. I was one of the first – I called him the first time when I had mine. I'm sending him pictures. He's sending me pictures of our kids. Uh, you know, my, my wife jokes that uh, he's like my work husband. I <laughs> about spend more time with him than I do with her. Um, but, you know, I'm fortunate enough to uh, – that communication aspect of it is, is having your guys back. Uh, day in and day out and knowing the good, the bads and the uglies of your people. And uh, I think it's one of the things for me that I like to know who I'm working with for one, but I want to know, you know, what makes you happy? What gets you going? You know, what makes you excited? What makes you sad and pissed off? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can you know, try to stay away from some of those areas, you know, but to build everybody up, and I hit on it earlier with the companies that I've worked for, but the, the mentors that I've had in the fire service, man, there's a list of them. Um, you know, the captains that I've worked for, I can't say enough about Captain Howe, Captain Cook, Captain Stewart, and Captain Burris, my four captains at the city that I've had the pleasure of working for. Uh, fortunately, all of them were in Battalion 1, uh, you know, in the in the busier parts of town. So, right. you know, but they uh, they really took me under their wings and helped kind of bridge that gap between the older, the younger, and then now the the even younger. Uh, mm -hmm. There's some people that we've had in our recruit classes at the city that were born post 9-11. I was like, what? Y'all are that old? Like, you're like where, you know, where where the heck did time go? Right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, I can hit on a few of these stories. I've kind of talked to some of the uh, some of the guys about these, and they're like, man, share them, get the word out. Um one of the one of my best friends that I've worked with for a while, Landon Williams, he's the lieutenant on engine three when I was an engineer there. Uh, we both kind of hit it off. He's a few years uh, older than me. Um, but early on at Concord, my wife and I, uh, we suffered we suffered a miscarriage. It was going to be our first kid. You know, I was pumped about it. Uh, you know, we were excited. And uh we went to that first appointment, found out that, you know, things didn't go the way we had planned, turned out to be a miscarriage. Um, and Landon and Ingalls, they were definitely, uh, they were my backbone through that process because I was actually working here at South and we had the baby appointment. So, you know, Jake's like, hey, hop in the squad, run over there, uh, you know, do your thing, come back. And, uh, you know, I had to bring the, the squad truck back here after that had happened. And, uh, dude, I couldn't even get out of the truck and the man's hugging me. And, uh, you know, just the, the friendship and the camaraderie that has led, uh, to strengthening those, uh, that communication and being there for your people. Um, I experienced in my life. So then I was, I've actually been able to kind of give that, uh, you know, give that back a little bit going on from here. Um, you know, me and my wife, we got pregnant again. We got a, an awesome little boy now. He just turned two last October. Dude's wild as can be. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it the the pain and heartbreak of that and the people that really helped me get through it and helped my wife get through it, they were reaching out. They brought us supper. Uh, you know, they were just like, man, whatever y'all need, we're here. Like, we know it sucks, but we're going to, you know, we're going to get you through it. Um, I didn't expect it, and it hit hard. Um, so really for me, it kind of set a standard for me to how I need to be for my people. Um, and if, if something happens, you know, that's, uh, that's how we need to be for our people being there showing up. That's the biggest thing I can say is just show up for your people. Um, you know, a little bit later on, um, 
Landon asked me one night, we're sitting there at station three and he was like, Hey man, you might come up to the office real quick. Like, yeah, man, what's up? And, uh, he kind of laid it on me that him and his, uh, his wife were going through a divorce and, you know, just struggling with it. But we had that relationship and we had built that relationship up enough where he felt comfortable talking to me about it and me just being able to, you know, help him the, the best I can. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've never been through it, but heck man, I'll listen. Uh, you know, I'll be a listener for you. I'll help you mm-hmm. out whatever, you know, whatever you need. And, uh, you know, we talked it out. We were on the phone, man. We talked time and time again. I talked to him like every day. His wife, Abby's probably like, man, this guy's freaking calling again. He's going to be on the phone for two hours. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, he's uh, been influential in my, in my life. A little, you know, last year I got to be in their, their wedding with his current wife, you know, his wife now, Abby. Uh, you know, so through that heartache that he had led to a good, you know, a good thing. And now him and his, uh, his wife are expecting their first kid. Uh, you know, so getting to kind of, you know, see that, that fold of going from bad to a little bit better to now, you know, things are, you know, on the up and up looking good, feeling good. Um, but long story short, man, those relationships just pay dividends to, to your life beyond the, um, you know, the ins and outs, um, the good, the bads, the uglies, figuring those things out about your people. So, you know, how to just be that listening ear for them. A lot of the time, man, they don't want that. They don't want information from you. They don't want, you know, you to fix their problems. They just want you, you know, talk to them about it. Yeah. Somebody so having those conversations, um, being there for your guys is, you know, tenfold is, is paid off in my life. And, uh, I've, I've heard stuff that those guys have helped bring me through. And, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta give a quick shout out to, uh, to my wife, Bree, I know I've talked about her a little bit throughout here, but uh, she's really my rock, and she's uh, she's definitely uh, she puts up with a lot of crap from me. I can say that to, to say the least. She's like, you're always gone, you're always working, training, doing all this stuff. Uh, but you know, she puts up with it. We've got a you know my two year old boy, and we got a six month old girl, so two one or two. But she's uh, she's handled it like a rock star. Um, but also before that, you know, before we had a uh, kid, she was a, uh, a high school counselor mm-hmm. and she was actually a senior counselor in a high school during COVID. Uh, so she dealt with a lot of stuff, man, the depression, the, the change from kids going from school every day to being locked at home and all that. And so she's actually, uh, she hits on me like, that listening ear. Cause she's like, you like to talk a lot. And I'm like, I know, honey. Uh, she's like, just, you know, listen to people. They just, you know, listen to them, be there for them. And, uh, yeah, I can't, you know, can't thank her enough for just the impact that she's had on my life. Um, but we hit on it with this earlier too, but in the dark time in my life with that miscarriage that we had, um, there's been over a dozen firefighters that have gone through that same thing that know my past and my history. They've been like, Hey man, you mind if we talk for a minute? Um, you know, Westphere, one of the firefighters that was on my truck on the engine, jam up dude. He's like, Man, we we've gone through that, we're struggling. Um, and then now they've got a little girl at home too. Um, so there's a lot of uh a lot of good that has came from a bad situation in our life. Uh, you know, it it sucks and but at the same time the impact I've gotta have with people because of that has grown a lot of my relationships even deeper than I would ever imagine. 
No. Okay. All right. I, and you know, that's one of those things it's, uh, I don't want to say taboo, but you would be surprised how many people, if you just talk to them, find out how many couples have gone through a miscarriage, myself included. So it, it, it does, it does happen out there. Um, yeah. So and I'm like, dude, it, it sucks, but you know, y'all are going to work through it. You're going to get through it. You know, right. there's, there's not a lot of light in that tunnel right now, but there's a little bit and eventually you're going to see more of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of now I'm on the backside of it. And with that, you know, I never thought I'd have to, but I had to have those conversations with my brother. Uh, he, he's a Ashborough firefighter. Okay. Uh, he finally got into it a little bit later in life than, uh, than me and my dad did. Um, he called me one day. He was in, uh, he worked for Young Life, uh, you know, Christian ministry in high schools. And he called me and was like, man, I see how much you and dad love the fire department. I think I'm going to try it. Like, All right. Cool, man. Let me know I can help you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he got hired at Ashborough and he's like, man, I see why you and dad love it now. Um, but you know, he, he, they've gone through that stuff too. So just the being able to kind of just be there for your guys on the fire truck and even it can turn into your family, uh, having that relationship with them where people feel willing to open up to you, I think is one of the, the biggest things you can do. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Well said, well said for sure. Um, while, while, while we were, uh, you were talking it actually just popped in my head. I did forget to ask one question, um, regarding Concord's rank structure for those that don't know, uh, can you, can you hit a hit on that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. We, I know we've been jumping around like crazy, but I feel like that's <laughs> firefighters all over, right? <laughs> uh, for Concord, you come on back step firefighter. Uh, the next step in that is, uh, of course, you know, once probation's finished, you get a few of your driver classes. We've got a sub driver. It's not really a rank, but the firefighters are, you know, they get checked off to drive the apparatus that they're assigned to. Uh, after that, your test for engineer. Uh, we don't really have a senior firefighter position, per se, you know, like kind of the next step in between engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's firefighter engineer. The step after engineer is lieutenant, uh, where I'm currently at now. And really, you're kind of the the jack of all trades for each truck, per se. If the if the captain's off that day, you bump up and ride in charge. If the uh, engineer's off, you can bump up and drive if you don't have a sub driver. And if the captain and the engineer are both there, then you ride the back kind of as a senior firefighter with the uh the young firefighter on the truck okay so a little bit different than some places run it um there's goods with it there's bads with it um but you know it's what we run it's worked out well for us and so that's uh that's kind of how we ro roll with things okay all right uh, like I said, I hate missing missing out on questions for those that for those that don't know how Concord's rank structure or how they operate so um before we head out is there anything else you want to let anyone know um like if anybody's struggling with with anything regarding their departments uh their crews that are not uh quote unquote jam up uh is there anything else you want to say man just continue to grind uh day in and day out regardless of uh how bad things may be we've got the best job in the world uh as Captain Hal puts it, you know, we ain't out there tarring roofs or, uh, you know, framing buildings or bricking a structure. Uh, we got it. We've got it made. I know we don't get paid a whole lot, but we've we've literally got the best job in the world. 
uh, continue to train, find those outside classes, um, you know, continue to grow whatever you do every day, uh, find something to grow in, whether you're reading something, whether you're on the fire ground, whether you're pulling a ladder out of the, the bed to go throw, uh, you may have thrown ladders for, you know, a hundred times that prior month with training, but find something that you can better yourself at and better yourself. Uh, I used to be terrible at ropes, man. I was off. And then, you know, I was like, man, I got to get better at this. It's something that, you know, I, I somewhat enjoy doing, but like, I don't know if I, you know, how good, you know, how bad I was at the time. Like I got to figure it out. So sit there and tie knots, you know, figure out how to grow. And then eventually it's like, man, this it's got a lot easier. Um, and then now, you know, I qualified to teach TR and I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I put that on myself, but, uh, um, you know, through that, I've been able to help those guys and man, I suck at knots. Well, you know, I did too. Mm-hmm. So, and now I'm up here teaching it with you. So we're going to work through it. We don't get through it together. We may spend a little bit more time on it, but we're going to get there. So what I can tell people, man, if you got the, you got the bad crew or whatever it may be, uh, don't set your standards to their level, set your standards to yourself. Uh, and hold yourself accountable because that's one of the biggest things that we can do. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love the statement. Uh, Stu, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you accepting the invite, talking shop, getting the word out there, um, talking about how definitely, if anybody doesn't know, but most people should know, the evolve the evolvement of South Iredell, how South Iredell is today. And um and it's a it's it was a team atmosphere. You have a group of chief officers that are into it, into the job, wanting their department to be better for their community. So I just want to say, man, I appreciate you coming on. Dude, absolutely. It's been a blast. Uh, and like I said, that training building's uh rated E for everybody. So, you know, you want to come get a piece of the action, let us know. We'll uh we'll set it up. No, absolutely. You heard it. You heard it here first from one of the chiefs. If you, if if you if you're a department that wants that doesn't have a facility to use, but you'd love to come use one, South Iredell's open. So give them a call. But like I said, I appreciate it, pal. Absolutely, man. It's been a blast. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Keep it up. I appreciate it. Thank you. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.